So today we're beginning a new series on living in community, and I'm really excited about this. For the first two weeks, we'll talk about what forms community and how community can be reformed. And then we'll get to hear from two communities, one from our university community, from UKirk, and then the following week from our youth community on Youth Sunday. So it's going to be a great four weeks, especially those last two weeks, I think. So today we talk about how God has formed a community or chooses to form a community. And as Jema uh, helped us see, we are starting with the Ten Commandments. And we're reading the version that comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth below, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses God's name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the, Lord, in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Two weeks ago, when we were talking about baptism, we remembered uh, God leading the people out of slavery through the Red Sea. And we reminded ourselves that the trajectory of divine love is always toward freedom. God wills liberation and works to set us free. There are at least two kinds of freedom. There is freedom from, and there is freedom for. Freedom from restrictions or impingements on our lives, and freedom for goodness, relationship, community, joy, love, meaning. We have to be set free 
for those things, not just from things. This is God's effort to set the Israelites free. We might think about it this way. In the exodus through the Red Sea, God set them free from the Egyptians. But it takes time, though they have gotten out of slavery, to get the slavery out of their hearts. We can get out of, say, an abusive situation, but then it takes years to unwind the damage that has caused, to rewrite that script, to find fresh life. I believe these commandments are God's effort to form us into a community that can love fully and deeply. As Christians, we're prone to dismiss the law. It's just the law, and we are saved by grace and set free from the law, right? Which is a helpful perspective when we want to eat shellfish or bacon. But it's limited. Jesus didn't dismiss the law. In fact, Jesus tended to double down on it. Just like good rabbis, he said, not only shall you not murder, but you need to watch out for anger, too. You need to take these deeply and seriously. The Ten Commandments were a gift that signified a whole new way of living. So I want to reflect on them today, together. One by one, and see what they might have to offer. Perhaps, as you think and reflect, one might speak to you that you would carry with you this week. One, have no other gods. This is the one on which all the others rest. What we love defines us. So what do you love? Who do you love? How do you love? What do you love above all else? And does it set you free? What loves make you larger? And what attachments make you smaller? and less free. Come, be free, says God. And so do not make for yourselves any idols. We might dismiss this one, literal idols having gone out of fashion some time ago. But what if we think of an idol as an idea or an image that limits God? We're reminded that we know of God, but we will not know God this side of the grave. Our words fall short. Our theologies are inadequate. Our images limited. Our experience finite. So what certainties about God do we hold? And how might they limit us?
Do not take the Lord's name in vain. This command includes using God's name casually when we don't really mean it. But it doesn't stop there. God's name is God's very being, which is reflected in the beauty of creation, in the diversity of humanity. And so when we treat each other or creation casually, lightly, dismissively, we are taking God's name, God's being, in vain. What do we treat lightly, without respect? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This might be the hardest for us. It is the longest commandment. We might simply ask ourselves, if we don't rest, why not? What makes us think that if God needed rest, we don't? What makes us think we are not finite? And how might rest set us free? Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I memorized that one as a child. I was told to. This can be a hard one particularly in families where adults have been abusive or absent. I think it is helpful to remember that this was addressed primarily to an audience of adults. So this is not a word to powerless children. This is a word originally for adults caring for aging parents. It can apply to all of us, but I think it particularly applies to those of us who have the power or the option of walking away. Will we do that? Or will we, even when it is difficult, dig in and find ways to be in relationship? Thou shalt not kill. Every shall Contain, every shall not contains a shall. Do not murder. It's clear. Life is sacred. Don't take it. But what is the do contained in that do not? We are asked to pursue all those things that bring life to others, from casseroles to cards to deep sacrifices on our part. What would happen if, in each decision, or even just one a week, we asked, how does this take life, and how does it give life? Do not commit adultery. Another one that seems straightforward, although Jesus complicated this one, or deepened it, by adding that, Desire itself can damage our committed relationships. 
So we want to pay attention to how we give our hearts away and honor those relationships where we have made vows. How are we called more deeply into those relationships? Do not steal. Yet another that seems easy enough, although I will, with some embarrassment, admit that I was a shoplifter as a teenager. I'm embarrassed. So this one was a challenge for me. And I think it continues to be a challenge, whether we literally break it or not. Because what is ours? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And John the Baptist said, if we have two coats and there is someone without one, then one of ours belongs to them. The Lord is clear through the prophets that right worship consists of making sure that all have enough. And so, at some point, does our refusal to redistribute our wealth constitute theft? Do not bear false witness. When I was a child, I took comfort in a very literal translation of this one, a narrow interpretation. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor in court. So all the rest of the time was fair game. That was a cop-out. Lying gets us into a heap of trouble. And the childhood cliche is not true. Sticks and stones can break bones, but words, wounds can last a lifetime. Our words matter. And the webs we weave in deception are hard to untangle. Do not covet. Covet's an old word. We could call it desire. Or yearning. In some ways, I think this reflects the Buddha's insight that desire is the root of suffering. Of course, not all longing is bad. Longing draws us into relationship. Longing draws us out into creation. Longing draws us into kindness and gentler words and love. But our longings can also make our life smaller. Our desires can diminish us. So I think this one brings us full circle. What do we love? That's the question. What do we love?